We never know where God is leading, but we're in this series called Imagine the Possibilities because we believe that God is leading us forward and that God has great things. Who knows what we'll be celebrating two, three years from now. God's gonna continue to do awesome things in our church, and I'm just thankful to be a part of it. And so today we're gonna wrap up the, um, the Imagine the Possibilities series. So far we've, we've looked at Numbers 13 and 14 and we've been looking at the, the Israelites, the people of God, the story of them coming out of Egypt. God delivered them from slavery and bondage in Egypt, led them through the wilderness and led them to the edge of the promised land. And the promised land was the land that God had promised Abraham long before that he would give his people that God would create through Abraham. And so the first week, we looked at the fact that they, sent tw- they came to the edge of that land and they sent 12 spies in, and it was a mixed report. The good report is the land is exactly what God said it would be. The bad news is it's occupied by giants. And so they were split on what they wanted to do. There were 10 of the spies that said, no way, we can't step out in faith into the promised land. But two of them said, we have to because this is what God is calling us to. But, but the Israelites failed. They failed to trust God. They failed to be obedient to step into the promised land. And so for the next 38 years, they spent wandering the wilderness, kind of just circling around. And so last week, um, we took another look from a different perspective. The first week, we had the perspective of, of the Israelite spies that it went in. But last week, we looked at the fact that the second time they came to the promised land and they sent two spies in, the message they heard was that the people in the land, the giants, the people they were so scared of, were actually terrified of them. Why were they terrified of them? Because of the God who's faithful, the God that delivers. So that brings us to today. And and today we're gonna look at Deuteronomy chapter eight. Now, Deuteronomy is a book of the Bible, so Numbers is where we were. That's the kind of the journey up into the edge of the promised land. And then if you skip over Deuteronomy, Joshua is where we see the people enter into the promised land. So Deuteronomy is in between the calling, the getting there, and the going in. And what Deuteronomy is, is it's a series of speeches, it's a series of things that, that Moses shares with the people to, that they need to know, that they need to have on their mind before they enter into the promised land. So this is how I want you to view today. This is gonna be weird. I want you to view today as a pregame speech for the promised land. Here God has been faithful and has led the people all the way up to this place. And now Moses is saying, he, he's giving them the pump. Think about um, any good sports movie has, has the pregame locker room speech, right? They've, they've come up to the championship game and the coach comes in and starts firing them up to go forward and to win that championship. You guys have all seen that or experienced that, right? That's what this is but it's a little bit different than your typical pregame speech. I think it's exactly what we need to hear today. As we talk about imagining the possibilities, as we talk about the good days that God has given us, as we talk about the great things that God is doing, and we wonder what God wants to do, I want us to hear the pregame speech, the word of God, 
Because if we miss this, it, it doesn't really matter what happens after this as far as a building or services or we need to hear this speech. So we're going to pick it up in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. It says this, Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during those for, these 40 years. Know them in your heart, or know in, then in your heart, that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord disciplines you. Woo! Pumped up? Did I wake some of you up? I'm sorry. Are you pumped up for that pregame speech? Here they are, they've journeyed all this way, they're on the edge of the promised land, and Moses gets up to give them the pregame speech, and he says, remember, remember who God is, what God's done, and be careful to follow every command that God has for you. If there's a theme to the book of Deuteronomy, to these speech, the pregame speech of Moses, it's this, remember and obey. So as we stand at the edge of the, imagine the possibilities, as we stand in good days that God is giving us and imagine what God wants to do in the future through us, remember, remember who God is, what God's done, and obey. That's the key. That's what got the Israelites to this place. That's what they need to know going forward from this place. And, and so why do they need to remember? Verse 8 says, remember, so that you may live and increase. Now, this is super important. If you just read through this, you might miss this. But I want you to understand what Moses is saying here. Remember and obey so that you may live and increase. Now, most of the time when we're talking about a pregame speech, when we're talking about the championship game, where is the focal point of the team? It's on winning that game, that thing. And here we've got the people of God who have been promised this land, who have been led by God. They've come all this way. They're right here on the edge. And here's the promised land. They're ready to go in. And Moses says, remember and obey God so that you will live. This is an important thing that we need to understand. Life is not found in promised land. Life is not found in buildings. Life is not found in great services. That's not the life that God has for us. Those are good things. Those are part of what God wants to do in us and through us. But real life, real life is found in our relationship with God. 
See, there, there are a couple different, there are lots of different gospels out there, and there are a lot of false gospels, but there's one called the prosperity gospel. And the prosperity gospel tells you that if you are faithful to God, then God will give you all of the things, all of the good. You'll be rich. You'll have everything you ever wanted. And the problem with the prosperity gospel is that what it elevates is not God, it elevates the things. The goal is the things. The true gospel is that the things are just a piece, they're just a side piece of what's happening. The true gift, the true life that we have is our God. True prosperity is in life with God, and this only happens through obedience. And so we get into verse 3. It says, and these, I want to work through some stuff that I think if you were just reading through this, you might have some trouble with. Verse 3 says, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. So, So when we're reading this, and we see that God humbled the people, it would be easy for us to think, man, this God is manipulative, this God is mean. But I want you to understand, if true life is found in our relationship with God and not in the things, then for God to make us hungry teaches us that it's not about the things. It says, so that you may know that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from God. Listen to me. Listen to me, church. It's not about buildings. It's not about good services. It's not about any of that. It's about our Savior. It's about our God that created us and loves us. And so, so God, yes, made them hungry, but he made them hungry so that they could have life in him, so that they could learn to depend on him and have communion with him and not get caught up in the things. I think sometimes as Christians, we sit around and we wonder, why is God not doing what I want God to do? I mean, if I'm following God, shouldn't I just get all the good, that's the prosperity stuff, shouldn't I get all the good stuff? What would happen if you got everything you wanted today? What this tells us is that we would find our treasure in the things and not in God. There's this really cool thing that I read as I was studying for this. It said, if you are more excited about some dream or vision than you are about God's presence and God's word, there's a problem. Hear that again. If you're more excited, let me put that into context. If you're more excited about a great baptism service, if you're more excited about a church growing, if you're more excited about community partnerships, if you're more excited about a building project, then you are with God's presence. There's something wrong. The pregame speech is this. As you enter the promised land, don't forget what's most important. It's God. I went on a trip this week. Um, I went up to Michigan for Pastor Emily's mom's funeral. And sometimes when I travel, I I don't really love to travel alone. 
Um, and, and I've got a buddy in my family that likes to travel with me. So, so I said, hey, Charlie, do you want to take tomorrow off school and ride with me up to Michigan? And Charlie, how do you think he responded? <laughs> yeah. Can I take the next day too? Let's just, let's keep going. Let's drive forever. And, and so Charlie and I headed up to Michigan and, and we're driving up there. And I don't know if you guys do this when you travel. But we like to just talk about the trip that's coming up, and then on the way back, we like to talk about what happened. And so I was just driving up, and I said, hey, Charlie, you know, we're, we're going to be gone for about a day, a day and a half. What do you want to do on this trip? What would be the best thing we could do on this trip? You know what Charlie said? I'm going to cry. He said, Dad, I just want to be with you. Sure, he was just trying to manipulate me to get a toy or something, but no, I don't believe he was. We, we went on the trip, and, and, and on the way home, I said, hey, Charlie, what's been the best part? I want to tell you about our trip. It was great. We, uh, we had Hungry Howie's Pizza. Any of you love Hungry Howie's Pizza? I love it. We had Hungry Howie's Pizza. We went back to the hotel room. We went to Meyer. Charlie got a toy or two. He paid for it with his own money. We went back to the hotel, we hung out, we watched some TV, played with his toys, and, and, and on the way back, I said, hey, Charlie, what was the best part of this trip? He said, Dad, it was just being with you. It's not about buildings, it's not about trips, it's not about food, it's not about any of that stuff. It's about our God who loves us who walks with us. And listen, the, the good news of this is if it's about God, then it doesn't matter if you're in the best times or if you're in the worst times because you're with God. Don't get focused on the wrong things. Verse six says, observe the commands of the Lord your God, of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into the, to a good land. I want you to see a second theme of this. The first is remember and obey, but, but the second theme has to do with the remember. What are they supposed to remember? Not just the things, not just the good things, they're supposed to remember God. See, who is doing all the work in all of the things we've read? It's not the people, it's God's faithful work leading the people. God led them out of bondage. God delivered them from Egypt. God split the sea. God fed them. God gave them water. God brought them to the promised land, and God is going to lead them in. It's not about them. It's not about the things. It's about the God of the promised land. And so it goes on in verse 10 and says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Then there's this word, otherwise. What happens if we forget? Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you buy, build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then... Your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, 
out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it may go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. I love this part. It says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, what do you do? You kick back, you relax, no. You praise the Lord. Do you still pray before you eat? Do, do you still, are you still in the habit? I, I, know, I know that this is something that becomes mechanical sometimes, but, but the reason we pray before we eat together is to remind us that that food is not something we've created, it's not something we've achieved, it's a gift from God. Do you pray before you go to bed or do you pray when you get up? Why do we do that? To praise the Lord because it's Him who gives us life. It reminds us when we pray at the beginning of our day that this day is a gift and at the end of our day, it reminds us the good things that God has done. And so it says, when you go into this land, when you get the milk and honey from the land, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord. Otherwise, what happens? We start to take credit for things that we shouldn't take credit for. We start to think that we have brought all this goodness on. Listen, this happens all the time in the church where we have good days like we've had and it's tempting to think we have done this. It's the great work. And listen, I'm not taking anything away from Pastor Jay and Pastor Emily and what's happening with our young people. They are awesome. But it's the work of God that's happening when we have a great baptism service, when we have a building expansion, when, when giving is going really well, it would be easy for us to say, well, that's because we are doing such great things. No. It's the grace and the power of God at work. If you don't know that by now, you don't know me. Because there's no way I'm capable of any of these good things. It's God's goodness. It's God's grace. And so why do we praise God? Because otherwise, we will forget. And where does forgetting lead? Forgetting leads to pride. If we forget that it's God that did it, then we'll think we did it. And if we think we did it, we'll start to feel pretty good about ourselves and we'll forget about the God that's brought us here. And so forgetting leads us to pride, and pride is a problem. Here's why. When we remember that it's God that's doing the work, then we rely and we trust in God, and where do we find life? In God. When we have pride, what are we tempted to do? Listen, this happens with all of us all the time. Where God does something, we're thankful to God, we forget that it's God that did it, and we start to think, hey, I can do this on my own. 
I'm good enough on my own. There are people that think that they can, they can be a Christian and not follow what God's Word says. There are people that think they can be a Christian and not be a part of the body of Christ. But listen, it's not about us and our pride. We can't do it on our own. We can't save ourselves. We can't change hearts and lives. It's only through the power and the grace of God. And so when we get prideful, all of a sudden, the life that we find in God, we start to drift away and think it's about us. Verse 19, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. Are you guys ready to go to the championship yet? Woo! When we forget, we become prideful. When we become prideful, that leads to rebellion. I think I can do this on my own. I don't need God, and and guess where that leads? Rebellion leads to destruction. This is another one of those hard parts of the text, because I think if you're reading it, it sounds like God is some spiteful, manipulative, hateful God that wants to hurt you when you mess up, but I don't think that's what this is saying. When we forgot, when we forget that it's God that does it, when we forget how good God is, we become prideful When we become prideful, we rebel, we try to do it on our own, and when we try to do it on our own, guess what happens? We're destroyed. Not because God is some spiteful, hateful God. God wants us to have life to the fullest. But because when we try to do it on our own, we mess it up every single time. You don't have to look far to see this. I don't know if you guys keep up with the news, but, but there are pastors of great big churches, there are pastors that are famous, that fall away and end up living lives of destruction. Why does that happen? It's because at some point they forgot that it's about God and not them. They made it about themselves. They became prideful. They began to rebel. And what happens? They face destruction. Forgetting leads to pride, leads to rebellion, leads to destruction. Look at our country right now. I'm not gonna get political here, but, but I want you to know that we have turned away from the God that created us. We've stopped valuing the creator God and we've started to become prideful and we've started to rebel and we've started to want things our way and what do you see around you every day? You see destruction. That's the result of forgetting who's in charge, forgetting how good our God is and living for him. I know this is a weird pep talk But what we need to hear when we're imagining the possibilities, what we need to hear before we walk into the promised land is we need to hear the words remember and obey. 
Remember and obey. We, I could give you a pump-up speech and you guys would probably enjoy it and you'd walk out of here feeling good about yourselves, but tomorrow you might forget. And listen, I don't care how big of a building we build. I don't care how many wonderful services we have. I don't, I don't care for any of that if God's not at the center of it. We need to remember and we need to obey. Here's the best part of the pep talk. I know it's been hard so far. Here's the good news. If life is found in God, and these things are just blessings on the side, I've got great news for you today. God loves you, and God wants to walk with you every step of the way. And it doesn't matter if you're going through difficult times right now, God loves you and God is with you. The ultimate prize is not promised land. It's not the good times. It's not the perfect job. It's not the bigger building. It's not any of that. The ultimate prize is the God of the promised land. Do you have that today? We already have the greatest gift we could ever have. Just like Charlie looked at me and said, Daddy, I just want to be with you. I want you to know God wants that for us to know him, to walk with him every single day. So I want us to fast forward to Deuteronomy chapter 26 because towards the end of these speeches, Moses reminds the people of something. He says, as you get ready to enter the promised land, I want you to remember that we are a covenant people. Let me explain what that means. The people of God had entered into a covenant, into a promise, into a, a partnership with God. A partnership's a terrible word because it's all God. But their covenant is this. Listen to it. Verse 16, once again, says, The Lord God commands you this day to follow these decrees and laws. Carefully observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. But listen to this next part. This is the covenant. You have declared this day that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in obedience to him, that you will keep his decrees, commands, and laws, that you will listen to him. That's the Israelites' part. Now, verse 18. And the Lord has declared to you this day that you are his people, his treasured possession as he promised, and that you are to keep all his commands. He has declared that he will set you in praise, fame, and honor high above all the other nations, he, uh, all the nations he has made, and that you will be a people holy to the Lord your God as promised. The covenant is this. God is our God, we are his people. Everything else, everything else are just blessings, they're side things. God is our God, we are his people. The Israelites were a covenant people. They had entered into this covenant with God. But I want you to understand today that sometimes it's tempting for us to look at Scripture and think, well, that was them, that was then, that was their covenant, and that's true. But today I want you to understand that we that are here today are covenant people. We have a covenant with our God. That covenant is the Lord is our God. We are his people. We are a people of the covenant. We're going 
We're going to take communion. We're going to respond to this by affirming our covenant and taking communion. And so if you didn't get a chance, um, grab your communion. Megan, I stole yours. You can come up here and get it. Sorry. I had mine in my pocket. Go ahead and get up and grab one on the back table if you forgot to grab one. This communion is a sign of our covenant. And I want you to hear the language that Jesus used when he comes to the Last Supper and he's sitting with his disciples one last time before he goes to the cross. I want you to hear what Jesus says about this meal that they're sharing, about communion. This is in Luke's gospel. It says, and he took the bread and he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Listen to these words. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember. In the same way after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. See, the covenant is this. Just as the Israelites were led out of, the, out of Egypt, out of bondage, and into the promised land, we are led out of slavery and bondage to sin and death, and we are given life in Christ. His body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us. Because he is our God. We are his people. Listen, as we close this series, I, I believe God has led us to the place that he wants us to take this step of faith and continue to expand. I believe that God is blessing us in awesome ways and I believe we should be thankful and we should celebrate like we have today. But most importantly, we need to remember, we need to obey the God of the promised land. This is what we're going to do. As we sing this last song, I'm going to allow you to take communion on your own. I want you to be in a spirit of prayer, and I want you today to affirm, reaffirm the covenant, that we are a covenant people, that God is your God, and that we are his people. And so I'm going to pray for you, and then as we sing, when you're ready, I want you to take the bread, and I want you to take the cup and I want you to reaffirm in your heart that you will follow God, that you will remember, that you will obey, that we will be his people. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all the great celebration. I thank you for all of the great things you're doing in our church and in our lives and I pray that you wouldn't stop doing that. I pray that you would continue to lead us, Lord. But help us not to get distracted. Help us not to trade our creator God who loves us, our savior Jesus who gave everything for us for things. Lord, we reaffirm our heart's commitment to you today. We wanna imagine what you're gonna do in our lives, but more importantly, we want to love you and serve you with everything we have. So work in our hearts, let your grace flow today. In Jesus' name.